Welcome back to InPod, your home for all things inflow. I'm your host, Nick Sweeney, and this week I wanted to talk about data in SolidWorks PDM. PDM stands for Product Data Management, so I figured it would be a good idea to talk about getting data in and getting data out. People work with all kinds of systems like uh, ERP systems, CRM, and those systems, they don't live in silos. So it's pretty important that we automate the syncing of that data. Lucky for me, I was visiting with my parents and my dad just so happens to be an expert on working with data in SolidWorks PDM. So dad, backed by demand, welcome back to InPod. Thanks, Dick. Demand, huh? Yeah, demand. Yeah, that's great. Hey, it's, it's good to be known as the uh, Terry Gar or the InPod. That's going to be good for me. Yeah, Terry. I'm sure it is. Yeah. So let's talk about data inside of PDM because... You are, you may be our migration expert, but you are also pretty darn good at working with the different kinds of data that we have in SolidWorks PDM, especially when we're talking about other systems and syncing our data up with those other systems. Yeah, to kind of add what you were talking about a couple of seconds ago about you know, the silos of information and such, PDM is some, certainly of some valuable data within a company. And if you got something valuable, other systems want to get a hold of it, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's what, something that I spent a lot of time working with customers on is trying to figure out, okay, how would we get that data that you've been working so hard to put into the system? How do we get it out to the outside world so other people can, can manipulate and consume that data? And PDM, it's pretty flexible about how we can do this. Uh, a lot of people, it's build materials. Build materials are that key piece of information. It's always what we talk about on every single discovery call. Yeah. What am I going to do with my build materials? How do I get them in? How do I get them out? And there's a lot of different ways that we can do that uh, using that the import-export inside of PDM. We can work with different databases. We can work with dispatch. We have a lot of different things. So I want to talk about a, a few of those options and a few of the different ways we can do that. Some of them are, are very simple, very well known. Even PDM standard users can do it. So we'll get that out of the way early on. And some of them we get into a little bit of like PowerShell and coding and figuring out some of the fun, cool ways and, and some of the tools that you've written recently-ish to do that kind of stuff. So what do you say we start with with the PDM standard approved option of our favorite little open as CSV. That's a pretty neat little function in my mind. I, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought you were going to go, it's so simple that even Geico commercial can do it or something like that. But right, I mean, earlier you are talking about the, certainly the, the most common data that other systems need is a bill material. And um, so the the in the build material tab there right inside of both PDM standard and PDM Pro you do have that save as CSV which I think it nowadays even has an Excel symbol right on it mm-hmm. so so you hit that and it opens up right inside of Excel exactly the same tabular information that you're looking at I like that you can do it as different levels too so it'll have like one and then one point one and one point one one so it'll have it segmented out for you too so it's not just like a here's all of your information in one shot. It actually is broken down for you, which is pretty nice. Yeah, lots of times external systems, you as a human, you can see the indentedness of the data and understand the parent-child relationships. But certainly uh, having the the, uh, the numbers there makes that easy. So when the, an importing system can really quickly get an understanding of what is a child of what and build that structure back up if it ever needs to. So one of those really interesting bits, though, about if we're working with these other systems, obviously they care quite a bit about which what this data is, what we're exporting out. You know, we have our standard SOLIDWORKS build materials, but that doesn't necessarily contain everything. 
that we need. Sometimes we need a little bit more out of it. And we're saving this data in PDM anyway with our data cards and, and just our metadata. So we have this information, even if it's not in our stock columns. So column sets are a pretty big deal inside of SolidWorks PDM because that lets us decide where we're going. This just helps us understand exactly what information we're getting out and we can specify. So then we can actually use specific column sets to get specific data out. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about the BOM column sets, right? Right. So yeah, the, the neat thing is, is I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but in the administration tool, you have the ability to create your own multiple bill material column sets. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes maybe you as a designer, you're interested in columns X, Y, and Z, but maybe the purchasing team, the requisitioning team, they might need a completely different column set or maybe a combination of those. So kind of neat thing is you can define multiple column sets and then you as a user can then there in the top left-hand corner, you pick, okay, I want to look at column set A. Now I want to look at column set B. Either way, once you pick the column set that you want, then you go back to that uh, export out to Excel. And now I have not only a, a, a structure of the, all the parts, but any additional metadata, any downstream systems might need. I always love going in and I'll pull up a drawing because my drawings always have the different column sets. And I can show here's this very simple build material that you could give any customer. It doesn't have your intellectual property on it. It's not this really detailed bit of information. Instead, it's a very high level. Here's the product. Here's the configuration. Here's the quantity. Really, really simple column set. But then I say, here's a manufacturing build material, one that has a lot of detail. And it's got six or seven columns that you don't have on your standard one. I think that's really useful. And there's a lot of ways we can really use that information to then get that data into other systems beyond just that simple CSV export. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then certainly because it's an Excel, we can filter it too. So imagine the machine shop guy, he probably only cares about the manufactured items. And so he might want to be able to see that column set and then filter on that too. Um, how much stainless steel does he need to buy for this particular project? How much uh, carbon steel does he need to be on? So he can filter and build those kinds of things up versus certainly the guy on the requisitioning team. He, he likely doesn't care about materials or finishes and that kind of stuff. So he might want to see a completely different column set. Right. And another bit of that is these different users, we can all read a CSV file. If we can open it in Microsoft Excel, like we can open a CSV in most of those spreadsheet uh, editors, but not all systems can use a CSV file. So PDM does have a nice way around that by using the import export rules. And you can actually start working with XML data. So we can start exporting our data as XMLs and use different columns that way. That way, XMLs can be used by pretty much any system. It, I haven't come across any that XMLs don't really work with. Well, I guess now we got to tell the, the PDM standard people that they, they don't need to listen anymore because we're now we're switched into the build material export. Yeah. So, so by PDM standard. Yeah. Th- thanks for showing up. No, hey, PDM guys, we, we love you. PDM standard guys, we love you. And I, I tell you, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out ways to get you guys more stuff than what, the, what you might normally think about. But in this case, when we're talking about build material export, unfortunately, that's kind of the getting off point is exporting out as, as Excel. But it might be good for you to stick around. That way you can know what you're missing in PDM Pro. Yeah, and I do have another trick I just thought of in a second, but we'll come back to it later. So you're talking about the export, import, export uh, functionality inside of PDM Pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of neat because what you can do there is you can export out automatically. So the, the downside, obviously, to exporting out as an Excel is, is one is I have to remember to do it and I have to keep it up to date and... Um, you know, just extra that I have to do. You can set the export of a bill material up automatically through a workflow transition. So if you're going to go ahead and, and release a, a, a document through the workflow system anyway, let's take advantage of that and, and automate the, the export. 
Now, you did mention that uh, the export is an XML and, and everybody loves XML, but certainly the one thing there is a little bit of a consideration to it is the receiving system needs to understand that XML schema. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of effort there versus just a regular old Excel document because it can bring that in. But as you know, if it's a flat bill material versus a, a, a structured one through an XML, sometimes you're losing information if you're just flattening it out. So uh, yeah, the XML, and I guess we'll uh, carry on to that. That kind of also ties back into those bill material column sets because maybe um, the receiving system wants a different information than what the typical engineer wants to see every day. So part of the settings that you can have with the bill material export is to choose actually which column set you want to use. And it might be a column set that no human ever cares to look at, but it might be some information that you need to be able to export out through other systems. You can have your named column set. You can have your calculated column set. Just these different ways of working with the different subsets of data. By using different column sets, it becomes a pretty cool way of deciding which data goes goes to which system. Your CRM system is going to care about very different information than your ERP system because your ERP system needs the stuff for purchasing versus CRM is just keeping track of what your customers ordered. So maybe it just needs some very high level information. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a good way of putting it. So it, it uh, it's kind of as a review is you can actually choose what folder you want these XML files to go into. That's a good point. You can choose when that happens, right? Which workflow transition makes that happen. And the designer doesn't even have to worry about doing it. Hey, file got released. Purchasing system. You should be able to pick that up and run with it automatically, and I can continue design, and I don't have to deal with any of that uh, procurement stuff that nobody enjoys. One of the biggest things that I stress, and if you've listened to the podcast, you know that, is automating your systems, automating your processes if it's possible, because that that's one reason why I love DriveWorks. That's one reason why I love workflow tasks in PDM, is because you can do something right 99 consecutive times, but that 100th time, what if you make a mistake? You don't want to make mistakes. You want to get rid of all of those potential trip-up spots. So why not automate things? Why not automate the export of an XML? Why not automate the creation of your models? It makes sense for me to do automation. I love automation. It makes the most sense to me. It streamlines your process, makes things easier, and it helps everybody involved. Yeah, well, it's a couple of my friends when we get together and listen to the podcast. We have a uh, an in-pod drinking game, and every time you say automation, everybody has to take a drink. I'll have to make a note of that, that we now have drinking games for the podcast. So we're working with all these different systems. We're sending data out to them. But the thing is, PDM's not purely sending data out. If we're managing our data, we have to get data back into our system, particularly when we've got systems like, and I keep bringing up ERP systems, but that's because they tend to have the cost of the information, uh, all of your materials, all of your products. The costing is typically stored in an ERP system, or at least it's not stored in PDM. So it made sense that we need to get that data back in. And if we want to make this a non-manual process, there, I just saved you guys a shot. If we want to make this not a manual process, we need a way of making that happen behind the scenes. And PDM has, if we have import rules, obviously, or if we have export rules, we have import rules as well. Yeah. (laughs) I had the shot ready to go there. So, you know, typically... Or most economically, p- 
push, pushing data from PDM is easy, right? I got some data. I know when to push it out to go through. But if you think about it, do it vice versa is oftentimes significantly harder, right? What if we're going, carrying on to what you're talking about is maybe I have an, an extra, maybe some, some category codes that come from ERP or maybe even the ERP system keeps track of the part numbers or, or the description because I want to make sure I have some sort of standard description type method. So I want to be able to get that information back in. Well, you can't just simply take the data from an ERP system and start writing to data cards blindly, right? You need a more advanced system than that. And the big reason why is let's imagine that uh, I need to update a file, but somebody's currently editing it. Somebody's currently making changes to the files. So once I start adding in the intonation that um, I can't update a file when it's open, then I need to come up with some sort of way, like a queue management system to be able to understand, okay, keep watching as soon as the guy finally checks it in or and this is how PDMs decided to do it, is that when a file goes through a transition, we always know the files that are going through a, a workflow state transition are going to have to be checked in. And so the neat thing is that we, we do have the ability to uh, write to the data card from an external system. So let me back up a little bit more. Here's how, how you set this up. The same system inside of PDM Pro where you have the import export, there's an import system. And in case there, you say, all right, here's a folder that, that SolidWorks. I want you to watch this folder. And anytime you see an XML file from this folder, I want to suck in all the information that I can about, about all these different files. And that's a triggered event that most typically is on a timed event, maybe once an hour or once a day, we go through and look for those files. And you set the XML rules to kind of parse that apart, or, or is PDM smart enough to understand just what that's supposed to do by itself? How is that, how does that exactly work? So, yeah, so in the, in the XML file, you have a set of instructions of, hey, here's the file that I want you to update. And that can be either by the file's unique ID, if the other system knows the file unique ID, or maybe you know the part number or some other variable. So I can say, hey, um, this is variable, I want you to look for this unique value. And so when the XML import tool works, it sees that information and it calculates by one of those two methods, which file I need to update and what variables that I need to update. And even it's even smart enough to even update uh, configuration specific. Mm. specific. So it can update all that information. So then, then that information just sits in a pot, twirling the slums waiting until then it sees that file going through a transition and da-da, I need to update that particular file. So you can make transitions, suck in any information that it needs. So when we're thinking about this data, obviously if this is happening during transitions, if we're going to do this maybe on approval, so I, I'm the manager, I approve the document, and now we're going to suck in this information – but what if I don't ask for that data in time? It, like I, I have to worry about when I'm going to be getting this data in, don't I? Yeah, that is kind of a weakness of the system, right? Because it don't, if it's only triggered when a file goes through a transition, what if that file, on those rare times when you design the perfect part that never goes through a transition again? That gets, happens? <laughs> well, I've read about it. It, it gets uh, released and sits there forever. Well, then nothing ever happens. So then then um, you're going to need other tools. And one of the tools that uh, I wrote a while ago, which I think is kind of fun, is that uh, what we call it the version-free variable updater. The neat thing is about being a version-free variable, I can update a version-free variable anytime. So I don't have that problem we were talking about earlier where I have to wait until that file is finally checked in. I don't have to have a queue process. I can update that even while you're editing the file. I could be modifying it. So a great version-free variable, things like cost. If you want to have that on your data card, I know some people, okay, I know you're not a fan of having cost on a data card. I hate it. But if you have a vendor, like if you just change your vendor, 
that doesn't necessitate a new version of your file as long as it's the same file. Like if you're buying a quarter 20 bolt from one vendor and then you go to a new one, that hasn't changed the bolt itself. It's still the same thing. So things like vendor, that's definitely version free. That's not something I care about from a design perspective. Yeah, I, I, well, we're getting a little off topic here, but this is a fun topic I like to talk about. So the common things for version-free variables are like what you were talking about, you know, maybe vendors, because I don't want to change the, the version of the file every time a vendor changes or vendor part number. I don't want to care about vendor part numbers. But also uh, one of my other favorites is a uh, stock room. Maybe you have a, a, all this information gets stored in the stock room and, and my designers need to know where the stock room is. But probably better quantity on hand. So when they're making a decision between a couple of different purchase parts, they can say, oh, I, we have 600 of these things and we only have 12 of these maybe it would make sense for me to use that so certainly that kind of information is always stored in an external is typically stored in an external system but a version free variable does give you the ability to do that so again just kind of reiterate you can update a version free variable anytime that you want and different people can do that without even having to check it out so this is just a tool that pretty much does very similar to what we were describing with the native the version free variable update tool that's very similar to what the native tool does except for I don't have to wait till the file goes through a transition I can update the file anytime I want so that's a pretty nice way of doing it. And and it uses an XML as well, correct? The that's exact the same XML in. format, right? So so you, you can look at that XML format. This is defined in the administration guide, and it describes how that XML format needs to be. And the version-free variable would imports that in. It can make the same logical decisions, but it doesn't have to have a queue system like the normal system does. I did write a blog about the version-free variable updater. I'll make sure I link to that in the description of the podcast because that it's an easy, it's an interesting read talking about how that works out, what that tool does. Um, it, it's a pretty neat little thing that you know you can update all of your version-free variables, which is pretty sweet. So let's talk about other ways that we can work with our data inside of SolidWorks PDM. Uh, one of the places that all of the I guess all of the data in PDM is stored inside of the SQL database. A lot of people, myself included, are somewhat intimidated by that SQL database because it is a very big system. There's a lot of data in there, but you can use it to push and pull data out of it if you know where to go. Well, I'm not going to say push the data. I mean, I'm not going to say pull it because SolidWorks does frown upon directly modifying that database, the PDM database. It is your database and, and you can, but uh, that's not supported. So if you, if, if they so be catch careful. you, yeah, if you're writing stuff into the PDM uh, tables, you're likely going to be sad sometime in the future because things are going to go. But on the other, other side of the coin, the solver doesn't have any problem with you reading that database. So if you would like, and you ha- aren't, aren't like Nicholas, you're welcome to just go ahead and read the PDM database and get that information out. There's only really a couple risks. One is certainly you need to know what you're doing, right? You can't just simply uh, go through because it does store the data a little bit weird, especially variables. Uh, not a, a super intuitive when you first look at it after you learn how you can do it. But the other thing is that SolidWorks does reserve the right to change that database schema anytime they want. And so you might do an update and all of a sudden, if you have a bunch of code that's relying on the database tables being in one particular way, if those tables suddenly change, well, then you're going to have to change your code. Yeah. So I, I mean, so I guess to get around that, the safest way, if you intend on getting data out yourself without using one of the methods that we mentioned so far, then probably the API is the best way to go, the, the programming interface. A program interface is kind of guaranteed to always be the same. So 
if I tell the API, hey, go get me this description, it's going to get me this description, even if there's a version change and the, and the database structure changes significantly. So not everybody is super well versed in things like uh, Visual Basic or C Sharp or Java. So what's the PDM programming language? What, how can we really start accessing that? Because I know when people talk about programming languages, that's immediately where their minds go. How do we get around using something like C Sharp in, in Solid's PDM? How do we do that? How do we access the PDM API? Yeah, yeah. I, I like where you're going with that question. So, so first, before I completely answer your question, don't, you know, I mean, don't forget that if you do know those programming languages, those are very robust and good way to go. Oh, yeah. That, that should, if you can... That's a great option to go with, but not everybody does. Yeah, yeah. So, so those languages are good. The programming interface is all there. But uh, I think what you're you're hinting at is that there is a programming language that is just for uh, programming PDM Pro, and that's called Dispatch. And it, and I'm not sure I want to call it a programming language. I, I think a macro language is a little bit better. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever played with the Dispatch anybody. You do have the ability to uh, kind of put blocks together, kind of the old style. Uh, if you remember watching your kids doing any program where they just put little programming blocks together. Oh, yep, Nicholas is one of them. Um, and that's kind of what that Dispatch is. So you don't really need to know a whole language. You can do it quite a bit with it. And, and um, one of the neat ways that you can actually use Dispatch in this whole long story is that you can have Dispatch export data out. And so here's an example. Um, you know, Dispatch can work on triggers. And I can say Dispatch, can maybe I want this little Dispatch program to run whenever I write mouse click on something or whenever uh, an event happens, whenever a file is checked in, checked out. But probably in this example, the most typical way you're going to do it is when a file goes through a workflow transition, I can then have a Dispatch action fire. Okay, and, and one of the actions that you're gonna, you might want to get into is the Dispatch can fire off a command line script. And I don't know if you guys have seen in the last couple of weeks, I've been playing a lot with a PowerShell and different neat little things that you can do with PowerShell. It's pretty cool. And it's, it's a, yeah, I guess I will have to admit that is a language as well, but it's certainly, you know, it's a scripting language. It's not a a big, a big full uh, language like what you would, uh, we were talking about earlier. You don't need to know classes and voids. Instead, you need to know, okay, I don't know PowerShell. I know know C Sharp much better than I know PowerShell, but it's not like having to understand public class and private class and voids and stuff. Yeah. So, so um, this might be a blog for for you sometime here in the future, Nick, but here's just the general gist of how you could do this, right? So PowerShell is really kind of clever because it does have the ability to do many different types of outputs. So certainly it can write to a text file and it can even write to a SQL database. So um, imagine this, right? As a file goes through or files, as they go through a workflow transition, dispatch can go, oh, I see a particular file just gone through here. Let me write information about that file to a secondary location. So let's say you release uh, 50 files, then dispatch fires off 50 times and says, okay, let's, let me write uh, my unique ID and some, some variable values. Let me write that into, it could be as simple as a text file. And now I have a text file that contains a, a, a listing of everything I've done through, or I could write different to another database and then you have some sort of the other system your ERP system and says oh look I see some new entries that just got added to me let's go ahead and suck that information up so the neat thing is that um, it's it's a some people could say it's more flexible than that XML file we were talking about about the build material export because build material export you're going to get one format and you're going to like it Versus this one, if the dispatch is the one writing that information out, you have a lot of flexibility because you're the one deciding what that information looks like. 
So I, I think that's something that not people, not very many people played with a lot is that the dispatch has the ability to call other external programs, and those little external programs can be yours, and they don't have to be very complex. PowerShell is a pretty cool way of being able to integrate with other programs. I've been editing your blogs, <laughs> so I understand it to the point of PowerShell can really enhance what you already have. Like if you have tools that do X, Y, Z, well, PowerShell can call those ESC files and being able to start running things and start executing other tasks behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, right. A PowerShell could do the work yourself, work itself because it is, it is a, a relatively formidable language. Um, or like what you're saying is you have some other program that needs to be fired off, then PowerShell can call other programs too. A lot of customers will have like their homegrown programs that do something for them. Some will have homegrown solvers add-ins. So it makes a lot of sense that PDM would have a tool built in that, or a, a macro language built in that you can actually start firing that off and, and PowerShell could actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a nice way of doing it. And, and PowerShell, by the way, I don't know if you know, if you don't know a whole lot about it, certainly I'd recommend looking into it. It's free, so the price is, is right. Mm. It's it's installed by default on all Windows 10 machines, so all your users already have it, so you don't have to go around to do any special type of installation. It's uh, it's set up and ready to go uh, right out of the box with your Windows PDM. Not, I said that wrong. <laughs> with your Windows 10 system. Yeah, having a free program and having a nice clean way of interfacing, I think that's a, a really nice thing that PDM has done, that Solvers has done, making it so that we can really work with our data inside of PDM, which I guess that was the whole point of this podcast was to talk about the different ways we can. And I think we've got a pretty good list. The native tools, the BOM tools that PDM standard users can do. We've got Dispatch, we've got SQL, and we've got RSML. I think that wraps it up, Terry. <laughs> Thank you, David. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to this week's episode of Impot. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we're actually going to finally have a guest that I teased several weeks back. If you listened to a few episodes ago, you might recognize who it is. Jordan Tadic. It may or may not be Jordan Tadic. <laughs> oh, I wasn't supposed to say. Eh. All right. That wraps it up for me this week. So thanks everybody for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week. See ya.